0: Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Welcome to the NT-Pod, my new podcast on the New Testament and Christian origins. So where do you begin a new podcast on the New Testament? Well, as the king said to the white rabbit, begin at the beginning. And the beginning of the canonical New Testament is Matthew's Gospel. It might seem like an unpromising place to start, because Matthew begins his Gospel in what we might think of as the most boring way imaginable. He just sticks down a whole bunch of names, and how tedious can you get? It's a mark of how unexciting this is to most contemporary hearers, in that it's very rarely read out. If you go to church, I don't think you'll ever hear anybody preach a sermon on the genealogy or read out this as one of the lessons in the service closer inspection of Matthew's genealogy, though, shows it to be a really interesting piece of work. When you look at it, you can find out all sorts of things about what Matthew thinks about the whole Gospel story and about who Jesus is. Each group that the genealogy is arranged into, for example, begins with a key figure Jewish history or a key event in Jewish history. So the whole list kicks off with Abraham, the father of all Jews. It's like underlining the importance of Jesus's Jewish heritage. But it's more than that, because remember that for Abraham, there was a promise that he would be the father of all nations. And Matthew's going to end his whole gospel right at the end of chapter 28 by talking about how the gospel will go out to all nations. And then the second figure in Matthew's genealogy is David. And who is Jesus in Matthew's gospel? Well, he's the son of David. It repeats repeatedly says in his gospel that he is the son of David. And then the third group of names in Matthew's genealogy begins with the mention of the exile, a really traumatic event in Jewish history. And the list comes to its conclusion with the birth of Jesus. So Matthew's almost seeing Jesus as being the culmination, the climax of all of Jewish history. It's the key moment in God's plan for humankind. But if one were to think that Matthew's genealogy is only about gathering together these names and giving you key figures in Jewish history, then you'd be wrong, because there's a really quite interesting little secret that's, that's there in Matthew's genealogy that a lot of scholars know about, but a lot of other people haven't realised about, and it's the fascinating mention in the genealogy of four women. Now, it's a little bit unusual to put women's names in a genealogy of male names, so why does Matthew mention four women? women, what's their role and function in the genealogy? Well, the four women concerned are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. So what you have to say is, what do these four women have in common, if anything? Well, there are two scholarly theories here. The first theory is that all women in some way are foreign women. They all have some kind of non-Israelite origin. And the theory here would therefore be that Matthew is including these four women as non-Israelites, as non-Hebrews, in order to say that in Jesus' own history, in Jesus' own genealogy, is that promise already to the nations so that he can be seen as the Messiah not only of Jews but also of Gentiles. It's a pretty interesting theory and some find it persuasive. The second theory is that all four women are united by some kind of unusual out-of-wedlock kind of sexual liaison. Now, which of these two theories is to be preferred? Is it that Matthew's mentioning these four women because of some kind of non-Israelite pedigree, or is it that he's mentioning them because of their kind of sexual past? Well, probably the best bet is the second of these theories. And the reason is that when he comes, Matthew, to Bathsheba, he doesn't call her Bathsheba. He's one of the four. He doesn't actually even mention what her name is. What he calls her is Uriah's wife. Now, why is that interesting? Well, Uriah whenever he's described in the Hebrew Bible is called Uriah the Hittite. So the foreign nature of this particular person is this sort of Hittite origin. If Matthew had been meaning to stress the foreign nature of these women, he would probably have said at this point, Uriah the Hittite's wife. But instead what he does is he stresses the fact that this was someone else's wife. So it looks to me like what's going on here in Matthew is he wants to stress the unusual sexual liaison that's going on. And of course, the famous thing, about Bathsheba is that she's someone that David committed adultery with. So that's what you have there in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. Now, if it is the case that Matthew's stressing these women because of their interesting sexual past, is this actually leading us up to what happens in verse 18 and following of Matthew's chapter 1, which is the story about how Mary gets pregnant out of wedlock? Is it that he's trying to prepare the wary reader who's heard the story about Mary getting uh, pregnant out of wedlock? Is he trying to prepare you for that by mentioning these other people? Well, that's what some people think is going on there. There's a sort of attempt to let the reader know that however strange it might sound, this story is about to tell you about Mary and Joseph, that nevertheless it already has some kind of past pedigree in the Hebrew Bible. Well thanks very much for downloading and listening to this first NT pod. You can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com Or you can just Google for Mark Goodacre or follow me on Twitter at Goodacre. Good to have you with me and I'll see you again soon.